Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I just wanted to let the listeners know that for one of our future episodes, Jeff Liu and I are looking to review a classic movie, so one that's actually good. Uh, if any of you have any recommendations on what movie you would like to hear reviewed, please let us know. And now, GSW. It's a great time to have a ball. It's a great way to let it go. It's great for your basketball. It's a great time out. It's a great, it's a great time out. Special episode of Warrior Wang Bang Wednesday. This is your host, Emil Wang, and I'm joined by my very good friend, the Genio James Liao. How's it going, man? What's good? What's good? Good to uh, have you back on the show. Feels like the season just ended yesterday, but in reality, it's been three months since we got that last championship. Yeah, and it's been a probably one of the best off-seasons. Goat off-season. <laughs> <laughs> Goat off season and and to be honest, the Warriors really didn't even do that much in comparison to the other uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference powerhouses. What the Warriors did was really just paled in comparison. But regardless, I mean, as they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So I kind of like what the Warriors did this off season. What do you think? Uh, it's yeah, it's been good. Um, you know, couple the key additions were um, I think good for overall for the team. We got the all meme team complete now with Nick Young, <laughs> Swaggy P adding to the list. Hopefully, we see more uh, challenges him and Javale, more cinnamon <laughs> challenges or anything of that sort on the horizon. So we'll see how uh, how that is. But yeah, no, it should be good. I mean, a couple of key losses, but you know, we got some good guys that come in and, and kind of fill those spots pretty well. So. Yeah, let's talk about his key losses. I mean, the, the, the big three that we lost were Ian Clark, uh, James Michael McAdoo, and Matt Barnes. Um, and they were replaced by Jordan Bell, Nick Young, and Omri Caspi. I mean, just looking at those names, you know, strictly in a vacuum of just talent, we clearly came out with a better roster, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, this, if you're just looking at the names, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much upgraded if it's just insignificant or, or even, you know, uh, a small amount, then it's still an upgrade. Because I think at every one of those positions, like Ian was one kind of that scorer uh, off the off the bench for us last year. Big ups to him, a couple of years here, and now he's, uh, I think, on New Orleans. Mm -hmm. So should be, um, you know, should be good for him to kind of get some playing time there. But regardless, you know, you have a guy like Nick Young who can pretty much do a lot of things that, Ian can do and more. Um, he could you know, he could actually defend yeah, if more. he if he wanted to. It seems. Yeah, if he if he wanted to. So. Yeah, yeah, and you know that they were talking about Matt Barnes leaving. I mean, at, at this point, Matt Barnes, I, I don't think he was even playing that much. I mean, he did start while Katie was out. He was able to give some good minutes. He's a capable rebounder, a good defender. But man, Omri Caspi is is a starting level talent. Huge pickup. Yeah. That was probably one of the biggest ones. I, I would say bigger than Nick Young, mm -hmm. for me at least. Right. So right. Well, yeah. it kind of depends on the system, right? And and I'd argue that Nick Young gives us a little bit more depth than than Omri Caspi. I think Omri Caspi, you know, kind of kind of hovers in that three four spot. I I feel like yeah. we already have yeah. a lot of. Uh, we're kind of stacked there already with KD, with Clay in some lineups, Iguodala, uh, Draymond, and then we already have like a, a big plethora of big men that you know that that are taking up space at the four or five positions, and we'll get into that later. I think what Nick Young gives us is insurance. I mean, if if you think about if if Steph or Clay went down, our guard lineup is actually really thin. Right. I mean, who, you know, think if Steph went down, who's who's our starting point guard now? Is it is it Iguodala? Is it is it John Livingston? I mean, even Livingston last year, you know, kind of I shouldn't say fell off, but his productivity definitely went down a lot. And he was only only uh, really effective in that in that final series of the playoffs. I don't think he really had that many good games prior to that. So I think Nick Young gives us just that added, you know, "Quote unquote veteran depth at the uh, at the one two position, Caspi I would say is talent wise, yeah he's great, but he's also a little bit more expendable given the talent that we already have. Yeah, but I mean given if you think about last year and like KD going down 
and Matt Barnes having to get some significant minutes. Having a guy like Henri Caspi instead, I mean, that's ridiculous. And even it gives you a lot more roster flexibility too. I mean, we are, we do have a lot of guys in that three, four position, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he's a guy who can shoot from 25 feet out. And yeah. other than KD at those forward spots, you really, you know, you don't have, a, uh, like Draymond can't really shoot that well. So you have somebody that gives you more ability to kind of spread the floor. So that's huge too, depending on what kind of lineups uh, you're facing, mm-hmm. you know, and it just gives you that added roster flexibility. So I think, it, I mean, it's still ultimately a, a big upgrade over Matt mm-hmm. Barnes because he's going to, actually make the threes unlike Matt Barnes who I think shot like five percent yeah yeah by the time uh, Matt Barnes had his second stint with the Warriors he he definitely wasn't hitting those threes anymore um yeah you you make a good point I I think Omri Caspi really gives us a little bit more flexibility uh in in those positions but on on a night-to-night basis I mean I I see Omri Caspi getting a lot of DMPs um Nick Young is definitely going to be a staple in the rotation he's yeah he's definitely gonna be a rotation guy 20 minutes a night Nick Young Um, you definitely see that because like you're saying I mean he's a lot more flexible you can play him one to three uh you know three guard lineups you can play him Mm -hmm. in you know, he's a little switchy. If he wants to try hard on defense, he can, you know, he can be switchy. He can guard one to three, you know. So it's like, you know, Nick Young, he definitely is more versatile in that sense, especially, like you said, given our, uh, you know, guard rotation and, and you know, losing Ian and stuff like that. So um, I think it's good, you know. And having both to those rotations, guard and forward, getting those two guys is huge. So Yeah, yeah. Well, here's here's something else that kind of that I was thinking about is does the addition of these vets as well as re-signing you know the the key roster pieces we had you know re-signing David West, Javale McGee, Zaza, um, Sean Livingston, and Andre Udala, does that affect the development of some of these young guys who are projects? I mean, Kevon Looney is basically out of the picture already. That that dude's been given two years and he hasn't done shit, but you know, uh, Jordan Bell is is a huge pickup. People see him as an you know as a kind of a James Michael McAdoo on steroids with uh, you know better rebounding, better defense, and th- don't forget Pat McCall. I mean, Pat McCall was awesome last year in the playoffs, and that's a guy that you know we we definitely do want to develop. The problem is uh, with Livingston and Iguodala there for you know signing on for another two three years. Um, do we risk the potential, you know, hindrance of his growth? And once those guys leave, you know, Pat McCall would be stuck with very little experience, you know, trying to run this team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a concern, but I think you, we'll we'll find minutes for everybody, mainly because Kerr and the coaching staff are so focused on getting the key guys rest. So we saw that kind of last year. Pat got significant minutes. Um, so even if Nick and Omri Caspi are in, uh, you know, I think they'll still be able to find minutes for Pat. I feel like the focus really should be on him, and uh, I'm high on Bill. I think Bell could be really good. Uh, Damian Jones, I, you know, haven't really seen a whole lot of, you know, just in the last year, so I don't really know what he is right now. Just a guy uh, who would jump high. Like, high. Yeah, just the really athletic. I mean, he's got a good little mid-range game going, uh, but like Jordan Bell, like that kind of the, the kind of play that he brings is translatable in a lot of at, at the pro level immediately. Right. Like a guy who can switch on defense and uh, has high motor and stuff like that. So it's like that's the kind of stuff I feel like you know right away you can get some contribution. So I I wouldn't be surprised if I saw Bell ahead of Jones on the center rotation um, if they're trying to get some additional uh, backup minutes. Yeah. Uh, at you know, maybe going small uh, rather than going with JaVale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a guy who's a little bit more mobile, can guard all the way down to like maybe two through five, mm-hmm. you know, three through five, like a lot more switchy. And then, you know, he's big enough where he can probably rim run and catch some lobs too. Not as good as JaVale, but, you know, it brings something a little different. So I feel like Bell is uh, – I would be keeping my eye on him and the development of these guys. But I think we'll eventually find time for these guys. Um, we've, d- we've done that last year. Uh, and I think we'll do it again. So um, the coaching staff's good about it. So 
I'm not too worried on that front. So yeah, and I guess that's one of the luxuries of being one of the best teams in the league. That you know you're not clawing for every single win just to make it that eighth seed, right? This isn't the 2007 Warriors that every win mattered and every loss of the uh, the the LA Clippers or Sacramento Kings, you know, helped us get into the playoffs. I mean, we're basically we're a shoe in for the playoffs. It's just a matter of oh, we you know we might we might be the second seed if we drop a couple games here and there. But you're right, you know, Kerr's coaching staff, they're very good about going 12 deep on on any given night. So these guys are going to get minutes. I think it's just more of, uh, you know, getting them into a consistent rotation, you know, in, in terms of developing a player's confidence. I, I think that's always important. But I mean, it's the, the tough balance is, you know, you do want to develop these guys, but you also don't want to overcommit to that because that's true them learning to, uh, you know, through their mistakes and stuff could potentially cost us games and seeding and stuff like that. So it's kind of a delicate balance. And that's why I feel like for a lot of, like, contender teams, uh, it's just you have your set guys and you don't really have the time to develop because, you know, it's hard to juggle both because you want to be able to contend and win with your best lineups. So um, focusing on, you know, growing the other guys is, like, you know, especially when you're already eight, nine deep, like that's really hard to balance. But I think the Warriors do a good job of it, and the guys will, you know, they'll get opportunities. Um, you know, people have rest days, people have minor injuries here and there, so these guys will be asked to step in, and yeah, and I think that's going to be good because especially veterans, they're not going to be. I feel like they're not going to be asked to start what Steve Kerr will do, what probably kind of what he did last year with starting Pat and some of these guys in scenarios where. You know, other guys are injured or whatever. And then you keep guys like Sean and JaVale and, like, you know, some of these other guys on the bench. So you could see some of the young guys get starting time as well, depending on rest or injury and stuff like that. So he, I don't think Kerr is scared to do that either. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, I guess kind of as a wrap-up question for the Warriors, what are the Warriors a better team? And do you, do you see us still as the number one seed, all things considered, that are going on in the West. Yeah, I mean, it's we're most likely going to be the number one seed, barring injury, obviously. Uh, we're still the prohibitive favorites. Mm-hmm. Still a 60-win team, you know, if everyone's healthy. I mean, I just don't see it shaking out any other way. Like, I don't know if we'll get to, like, 65 wins, but 60 wins is not out of the question. And in a stacked West, like, that may be where people are kind of really close in record. Like, that might be kind of the benchmark for getting the first seed you know just if anybody can get the 60 wins they'll probably be able to get that first seed i just don't see two teams having 60 plus wins in a incredibly stacked west yeah, agree that's definitely going to be a dog fight um okay well moving on to some of the other teams uh let, let's start with the runner-ups from last year the cleveland cavaliers some of the big uh, additions to this team Derek rose isaiah thomas Jose Calderon, Jay Crowder, Ante Cizek, Jeff Green, and as of today, Dwayne Wade. Dude, I forgot Jeff Green signed with him. Jeff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jeff Green. How many times have you said that in your life? Dude, I forgot Jeff Green. <laughs> like, that, I just feel like that's the story of his life. Like, it's just like, dude, I forgot Jeff Green existed. Just a, a throw in the trades or just as a... That that yeah, mid-level well, sign uh, signing that everyone always you know takes a flyer on him because he was that former number four pick. That was and supposed... it ends up just being a hot mess. Yeah. Like and then and then when he's on the court, you're just like, oh dude, I forgot <laughs> Jeff Green's been playing for five years because he's done nothing. You know, and then people are just like, yeah, but he's six ten and switchy and can hit threes, and it's like, no, he can't. He's not good. Like Jeff Green is just not good. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely one of the bigger. Uh... The bigger flops of uh, of NBA draft history. One key loss to the Cleveland uh, one key loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Man, that's a tongue twister. Is uh, is Kyrie Irving um, as part traded to Boston for that uh, Isaiah Thomas uh, Jay Crowder trade. So let, let's talk this Cavaliers team because there's a couple of questions that come up. First, let's let's talk about the trade itself. Do or were you a fan of the trade for for the Cavaliers? So I actually thought it was not as lopsided as some people thought it was. Um, 
and uh, I thought it was pretty good trade for both teams. Um, you have a disgruntled, you know, Kyrie that didn't really want to be there. So for you to get that kind of return is fantastic, and Boston gets to, you know, have uh, a guy that's actually much younger and um, can do a lot of things that Isaiah can do, uh, and is not up for a contract for two years, and is not is going to be healthy um, come the start of the regular season because they just announced that Isaiah is not going to be back to January. So, yeah. Yeah. What I like about that trade or, or the way and, and I'm with you on it, I don't think it was a lopsided trade. I think it was a very fair trade both ways. The way I see the trade actually is that Isaiah Thomas is the almost a cherry on top because that, you know, when you have a disgruntled player, their their stock immediately falls. Right. I mean, you know, we'll get into this later, but Mello is, is a perfect example. Right. Or or PG thirteen who wasn't necessarily disgruntled but had already made it clear he wasn't going to stick around right when you have players like that that automatically tanks their value so the fact that you know the the Cavs got a high draft pick by the way from the the Nets twenty eighteen draft pick was in in my mind actually one of the key parts of that trade because. It yeah, helped that's them. Probably the biggest yeah, thing. it helped them plan for the future because they don't know what's going to happen with LeBron next year, right? So if if LeBron decides to leave next year, you know, you you immediately get this new piece that you can get excited for, and this new piece will be surrounded by some well-tested veterans. You're going to have you know Kevin Love still around. You're still you're going to have you know Isaiah Thomas still around. You're going to have Jeff Green's. I don't know if Jeff Green's still going to be around, but yeah, well, he's not going to be. <laughs> But you'll still have Jay Crowder, and you'll still have some good pieces to be competitive. So I, I was a fan of that trade. I, I think LeBron and Isaiah Thomas, even if Isaiah Thomas was healthy, I don't know how well that would work out. But at the same time, it's not like I, it's not like Kyrie was one of the best passers or one of the, the best guys that played off played off the ball either. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't a spot up shooter type that could you know slip the baseline cut and you know get get easy hoops. Um, so I, I don't see you know Isaiah Thomas as a huge downgrade, except for the the defense aspect of it. I mean you, you know you went from a dude who you know Kyrie's what six four, um, you know, yeah six three yeah six, four, decent yeah. sized NBA point guard to Isaiah Thomas who is my size. He's five eight. You know probably has a couple more pounds on me, but that's a guy that cannot guard anybody. You know. He can't keep anybody in front of him, and on a switch, he's just basically doomed. Yeah, it's um, it's not going to be good. So I'm curious to see how they uh, work that out on defense. And, you know, you can't really hide him on anyone on the Warriors. That's the problem, is that I, maybe Iggy, like, if, you know, if he's on the floor, uh, is the only thing I can think of is, like, just kind of hiding him potentially on Iggy. But... You know, we would just get the switch and then it'd be over. Yeah. Like you just bring KD's guy in and just do a switch. And yeah, it's just it's a, a basket almost every time. It's like it's just really bad because it the height and the lack of like you know just defensive awareness and like the the skills like it's just not there for Isaiah. Like he just doesn't have the the defensive stuff. I mean, it's not even just size. Like he's just not aware. Like. He dies on screens like it's just, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah, he's just really bad. <laughs> like there's just no other way around it. So it's um yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they manage that because like you're saying, offensively you don't lose much. Kyrie to it. I mean, you might you might even call it a wash, maybe even a, a slight positive, you know. But ultimately, uh, it's the defense that's gonna potentially hurt them. Um, but you know they got Jay Crowder, so that's good. Mm -hmm. Um wing defender that's going to uh, help them against us and uh, and D-Wade. So, I mean, this is... I think the Cavs legitly got better than last year. So... I I disagree, and we'll, we'll get into... We'll get back into the topic of defense, because you have all these players, you have all these egos, right? Derek Rose, former MVP, you know, granted, I think he understands he's he's not... He's a shell of his former self, but I don't think he's going to want to be sitting on the bench during crunch time. Isaiah Thomas isn't going to want to sit on the bench during crunch time. 
Dwayne Wade isn't going to want to sit on the bench in crunch time. I mean, these are three guys who can't keep anybody in front of them, right? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, and then factor in, um, you know, Kevin Love, who's also, you know, your your probably second highest paid player, third highest paid player on the team. That guy, you know, is probably has to be on the floor during crunch time. So you have four guys who can't play defense, and then a LeBron who, you know, might have a little bit more energy to play defense because you know everybody else can score. But man, that is not a team you want out there in the fourth quarter against, you know, even the you know even the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals or or a Toronto. They'd probably smoke the Raptors, but like the Wizards, you know, even against the Wizards, I can see them struggling. I I think it's uh, I do think they're better because they were god awful on defense already last year. Mm. So like in the play, I just weren't good. Mm. Like it's not like they were some defensive stalwart last year, and now it's like oh now they're gonna be bad. Like, they were not good on defense last yeah. year. Um, and what I like is adding guys like um, like Crowder, uh, and you get a little bit more flexibility. You get one additional wing defender, mm-hmm. so you can actually throw out lineups that are pretty interesting. And I think. That could change uh, kind of the dynamic a little bit too, because you could go really small and you can play uh, Kevin Love at the five, mm-hmm. uh, you can play LeBron at the four, you can play Jay Crowder, and you can play like maybe Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some shooting, and then you have it. So look at that lineup. You have LeBron and four shooters. Mm-hmm. That's the classic LeBron and four shooters uh, scenario where, and you have a creator in it who is great on a high pick and roll, and he has a lot of room to work with. Uh, and, um, yeah, it's I think it's going to be really interesting because lineups like that, uh, and you don't lose too much because you have JR who is like, I mean, he's not a great defender, but I mean, he's if he tries, it's okay, passable. Yeah. You know, he's and Crowder is a positive defender. Still got Schumpert, too. Know? So, yeah, it's like you can get Schumpert, and it's like these guys all can shoot. All of them can make threes. And it's like, and... Anytime you have LeBron and four shooters and your defense is like could be semi okay, you you can maybe hang around a little bit with us. I mean, I think we'll still win, but like mm. you know, that's why I think they have more roster flexibility and being able to like throw out different looks at us that maybe we didn't have before. Because I mean, Jay Crowder was a, is a big part of that. Like he's a guy who's you know high thirty percent shooter, yeah. and he can you he's know good body and have Clay, yeah, he have KD, yeah. so. It's. I just think it's interesting, and and the defense is going to be bad for sure. There are lineups where the defense is just going to be atrocious, yeah. and yeah. you can't get around that. But the Cavs, the East is so weak that it's not even going to matter. So. Yeah. Well, and you're right. They do. They do have the talent for it, but I. I think it's more about an ego thing. I. I don't. Oh, for, yeah. Like Dwayne be, Wade is going to have to play in the fourth quarter. I. I think, you know, like. I'm pretty sure Derrick Rose is going to have to be playing for parts of the fourth quarter. So they're going to have to rotate IT, Derrick Rose, and Dwayne Wade in those in those one-two spots, which means that you know Jr. and uh, Crowder are going to have to you know switch off at the three. Um, LeBron obviously at the four, and then Love and TT at the five. But it, it just doesn't like when you mix up those. When you have Dwayne Wade in there, that guy can't shoot right. And Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose can't shoot either, can't shoot. right? So you have two guys who can't make the three. LeBron isn't that great of a three-point shooter. So anytime you have that, you have to mix in. It, anytime you have those two guys out there with LeBron, you're going to have to mix in another, like an excellent three-point shooter, whether it's IT4 or Kyle Korver, uh, uh, Channing Fry, Kevin Love. I mean, you're going to have to pair those guys up with, guys who can shoot the three but can't play D, right? See, the, my problem with Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade is both of them aren't good they defenders. Can't shoot, can't play exactly, D. yeah. So it, that's basically it, like what the Warriors feast on, right? I mean, there, there hasn't been a single mid-range guy that, that can that can really tear up the Warriors. I mean, I, I can't – I mean, go ahead. This is this – is yeah, and you're exactly right. The mid-range is – we're not going to care about that, and – Rose is just going to either attack the basket or shoot a mid range, and Wade is can barely attack the basket anymore. So he just settles for, you know, little little shots in the lane or like you know turnaround jumpers. I mean that's pretty much all Wade has left in his uh, tank right now. So it's like, you know, you you are right, and that's why I I think they have to. It'll be interesting to see how Lou handles it and how he handles the lineups because. 
I I don't think you need to play Derrick Rose that much. I think he sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he's just going to be a backup insurance for right now when IT is out. Yeah. And then you can play him starter minutes. But once IT comes back and they integrate him in, I mean, he might be – who is he really getting, the, the Darren William minutes from last year? <laughs> like, I mean, what else – he's – think about Human that. Human victory cigar, thing. Darren Williams. Yeah, and like he can't – he doesn't play defense and it doesn't shoot. So it's like you can't play guys like that down the stretch. So the, the, the crunch time, you know – guys like the final five and crunch time most likely is i mean you're not going to include d rose like mm-hmm. this is and wade is it's like maybe for the veteran savviness and the clutch shooting uh if you're close but like i i don't know how you play guys like him down the stretch too because it's like we're, we're just gonna kill them we're just gonna pick and roll these guys to death yeah. and get switches yeah. and at some point lou's gonna have to make a decision about that and like this is the the hardest part about guarding us, right? It's like mm-hmm. yeah. how many of these like you know, be able to switch. guys Yeah, that'd be able to switch and you gotta have shooting on the floor. That's what guys like Crowder is like. I think they'll end up playing more in crunch time because he just like that's the kind of guy you need. You know, you need a two way guy who can shoot threes and, and play some defense. Mm-hmm. You know. Right. That's why like JR was able to, you know, get minutes get more minutes too. Yeah, because it's like he's not a Huge plus defender, but he's better he can than shoot. he's better than Corver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's way better than Corver, so he'll just get more minutes. And if they want more shooting, they bring Corver on. But like, it's just the crunch time five is tough. Like, you just have to manage those things. Right, right. Interesting to see what Luke does. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if he's uh, going to be able to manage the team because I, I don't. I still don't think he's that great of a coach, but he he's just yeah, I, in a I, very I, very shitty conference with a with some very elite level talent. So and uh, that needs to. I just don't know what happened to him. Like he, I, I, did he just get like his neck is like just gigantic for some reason. <laughs> like he has no. Every time I see him, I'm just like, dude, like what happened? It's like his neck, his body, like just connects to his head. It was like, <laughs> it's just really weird. And then he just has that blank stare with the no neck, and I'm just like, what? who is this guy? Is like barely human. He's just like a turtle. And I'm like, turtle. Yeah, I'm like, what is this guy? Like, it's just like. Anyways, we're getting off track. It's just a not going to turn yeah. into a, a Ty this session. So. <laughs> well, let's hope he doesn't hear it because he could still probably kick yeah. our asses. So. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the Celtics. Um, major additions, uh, Kyrie Irving. Uh, they were able to sign Gordon Hayward. Uh, drafted Jason Tatum. Uh, got Marcus Morris from uh, Detroit, I believe. Um, yeah, I can never keep track of Morris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they lost IT4 in the trade, uh, Jay Crowder. Uh, they also lost uh, Avery Bradley as part of that trade to Detroit and traded away their Nets 2018 pick. Let's talk about this roster. Um, huge roster turnover. I think they only have something like four or five players from last season's roster on this team. That is a pretty sizable turnover. Yeah, it's it's a big one. But I I honestly don't think Celtics are really a big threat. Um, I wouldn't even put them in uh, like a may like a maybe a fringe contender status. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't even put them in like the top five contender list like what do you think um yeah i agree i think um you know from a talent standpoint i i like al horford um but i don't see him as that the guy in the playoffs that will uh carry them very far i mean he he's got to be that anchor that defensive anchor and that rebounder. and and from what i remember al horford isn't a great rebounder and it Uh, yeah he's like for his size, he should be a little better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's kind of like that undersized four playing the five, but yeah. you know now they they can't really do that anymore because um, you know they, they're going to try to develop uh, uh, Jalen Brown. Um, yeah, they're going to try to develop Jason Tatum. I mean, both of those guys are kind of the the, the three four, right? Um, yeah, you know, and, and they really don't have very good center talent. They lost. Uh, Olenek. Olenek. Um, I yeah. think they got Aaron Baines, or they always had him, but you know Aaron Baines is, you know, only good for like fifteen, twelve minutes or something. Oh, I thought I thought you said Aaron. I thought you were gonna say Aaron Baines looks like he can be on Game of Thrones because <laughs> he probably can. <laughs> yeah, he's a big big mofo. Um, 
But but hey, I, I gotta say they they still have Kyrie and Kyrie is the guy that gives us fits. I mean you know we if if they can find a dis- defensive scheme to hide him, which you know to be honest Brad Stevens might be able to do. I mean he got away with hiding it on defense. So you know granted they did have uh, Avery Bradley um, you know yeah, at the two yeah and Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder right and now you're kind of dropping to Gordon Hayward and uh, you know maybe Marcus, Marcus Smart, Smart right who definitely yeah. a, a downgrade on on the defensive level but. Uh, I mean, Smart's a good defender. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say he is a good defender, but not as good yeah, as he's not Bradley. like all NBA, you know, Bradley level. Yeah. Um, so you, you downgrade on that. And Jay Crowder was, you know, he guarded the best wings every night, and you just lost that. So it's going to be have to be uh, Hayward yeah. who's doing yeah. it. Who, so. you know, and Hayward's not a bad defender either, but no, he's, and his solid offensive, defender. Uh, his offensive game really, you know, is is a huge plus, and what I like about him is he's a guy who doesn't need the ball. He he's kind of he he can you know crawl off screens and you know if, as long as Kyrie's looking for him. Yeah, and you can stagger the lineup too, and I think Stephen will do that. Like yeah. you know play maybe Hayward a little bit mm-hmm. with the second unit, maybe with like Tatum and some of the other guys, you know, um, and he can be kind of the primary ball handler, um, and um, you know kind of split it up a little bit. So. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but I don't think they're going to be a, a perennial powerhouse, but given how sad and pathetic the East is, they'll probably just end up being the second or third seed anyways, yeah. uh, just based on that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. And one thing to consider is that, you know, they, you know, some people are saying that they mortgaged their future by uh, by giving up the 2018 pick. I mean, to be honest, they didn't need it. Right, I mean, they already have Jalen Brown, who was like a number three pick, I think, and uh, and then Jason Tatum, who was like a number another number three pick, right? So they they have these two guys that you know that are corners. And Marcus Smart's like twenty three. Yeah, yeah, Marcus like Smart Stalin, yeah. was only drafted, I think, three or four years ago. So Kyrie's like twenty five. Yeah, like I mean, these aren't like twenty six, maybe. Like you're not exactly mortgaging your future. You have a bunch of young guys. Yeah. Like the only old guy you have really is. Um, is out Horton. Yeah, yeah. Like, Hayward's 27. Yeah. Like, 28. Yeah, right so, field. I mean, he's got, he's, yeah, he's 40 years, and um, Kyrie's in, locked in for two, and by the time his contract is up, he's going to be 27, 28 in his prime. Yeah. Like, this is, like, I just don't, I don't buy that argument. They have so many young pieces already. Like, they did, really didn't need that pick, like you're saying. Right. And, and if LeBron leaves next year, I mean, it's just, they're basically handed the open. Eastern yeah. Conference Championship. Yeah. It's so. wide open. That's anybody's game. And, you know, <laughs> that's why it's like they set themselves up pretty well because yeah. they still have a bunch of young talent, uh, and they're still going to be competitive. And as soon as LeBron leaves, or if LeBron leaves, then that's, who knows, dude? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's let's jump back to the uh, to the Western Conference and let, let's talk Oklahoma City. Big news over the weekend was uh, Carmelo got traded to uh, to the to the Thunder for players that I can't even name: uh, Ennis Cantor, uh, oh, and Doug McDermott, and a in a second round pick, um, Dougie McBuckets. <laughs> and then Paul George was traded earlier this summer for Victor Oladipo and. I think Anthony Morrow. I I don't remember no. who who was who was part of that. Trip. Sabonis. Oh, Sabonis. Sabonis. Right, right. So, Demontis Sabonis. Yeah, yeah. So OKC definitely gave up some some pieces, some bench pieces for Paul George in Oklahoma City. Uh, Paul George and uh, Carmelo Anthony. Um, but but that leaves the roster fairly thin on the bench. I mean, it, you know, to, just to list off the key main players, you have Russell Westbrook, obviously, Carmelo, Paul George, Stephen Adams, and Anthony Roberson. That, that's kind of your your starting five. And on yeah, and on your bench, the only three players that I can even recognize are Raymond Felton, Patrick Patterson, and Kyle Singler. And that Gosh. and that and that's a huge drop off in talent when it when it comes to your bench. How dare you slander Kyle Singler? Oh, you're right. Like that. You're right. That that did. How dare I casted you? a the vote great, for that guy to be MVP. Yeah, the great white hope. Okay, please. <laughs> I will not stand for this Kyle Singler slander. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's there's a couple things that come up. Uh, you know, Mello, like we touched on earlier, his trade value was low. Uh, didn't want to play in New York anymore. Part of that was he was beefing with Phil and he was beefing with Porzingis. Um, 
part of that was he didn't want to play the power forward. For whatever reason, Melo hates playing the power forward, even though, you know, statistically that always gets him the best results. And by the way, he's going to start at power forward for Oklahoma City. This guy's an idiot. Yeah. Melo's such a drama queen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people always talk about Melo as, as, you know, he's always been the number one option. That hasn't, that's not his best role. He should be, you know, Team USA Melo, or he plays, you know, plays as the third scoring option. That is Melo at his best. He's in that position now. He's probably the, the third best talent on the team behind Russ and Paul George. Do you see him as being effective or this mythical uh, mellow US team USA mellow that that is awesome? I just don't see the mellow thing kind of expanding to pushing them over the edge, basically. So I just think it's I mean it makes them better, but I don't think it makes them pushes them over the edge over like, you know, rockets or over us. So I still think the Rockets is better, but um, yeah, Melo is is kind of interesting because you know how much of a backseat is he going to take in OKC, right. right? So you know the Team USA stuff is you know a small sample size, so it's like really hard to say if that's sustainable over an eighty-two game season because that was he knew he was playing for Team USA, right? So I feel like is this going to be something that he, mentally he has to accept that role? on the team like he has to say to himself hey look i am not going to be number one option um my touches are going to go down significantly and i'm going to have to be okay with that right can he do that or is he going to pout and start demanding the ball and get angry because you know he's not getting 22 shots a game right and then they're going to ask him to play defense and then ask yeah they're going to ask him to play defense all this stuff so it's like can he make that mental adjustment because i feel like a guy like Paul George can do that a lot easier. Yep. Like, I think George, uh, if he's your number one guy, I just don't think you're ever going to really go anywhere really far. Mm-hmm. Um, like, maybe kind of the, the extent of what the Pacers did when, you know, when he was there, mm-hmm. uh, like conference finals maybe. Yeah. You know, if he's your best guy and you have a bunch of really good players around him. But if he's your second best guy, you're really good. Yeah. So, I mean, I think him as a second option would be great. But that means Melo has to be third. Yeah. And he has to be mentally ready for that. So that's going to be the the interesting thing for Donovan is to kind of balance that. And that's the same thing with all these guys with multiple – all these teams with multiple uh, superstars. Mm-hmm. It's like how do you balance the egos and how do you get guys to buy in? Because that was one of the first things that Steve Kerr did. Right. Got, right? got Iggy got on the bench. Iguodala to buy in. Yeah. And – Right away, because you have to set that tone. But if you don't do that, then that could hurt you down the line. So it's like you have to establish that identity first. It's like, hey, look, you've got to be willing to sacrifice for the team if you want to try to win. And it's like, Melo, you're only going to get 15 to 17 shots a game. Like, that's it. Yeah. And I need you to do other stuff. Like, go back to offensive rebounding, and I need you to play some defense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, the good thing is, you know, I'm, I'm sure uh, Donovan will will be smart enough to to stagger the lineups to have Melo, you know, with with the bench unit, so he could terrorize, yes, you know, other bench units around the league. But you're right. I mean, he has to buy like he can be effective in those in those times, but he has to be effective in the fourth quarter as well. He has to defend. He has to rebound. He has to pass it up to Russ or or Paul George when those guys can get the better shot because. Mello off the dribble is is a shell of what he used to be. He he can't pull up for three. He's you know he's slower. He's not as, I mean he still has kind of that turnaround mid range. But I mean the, the 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 dude is what in his in his thirties like I mean definitely in his thirties but like mid thirties. Mello's our age. Our age. Man, yeah, so he's thirty three. Thirty three. So, yeah. Yeah. So and you know also fairly injury prone. So yeah, I mean I I, I don't. To be honest, I don't see him working out. Um, part of that might be my own personal bias. And kind of going back to this Team USA Mellow thing, I find it hilarious that people are like, you know, using the Team USA like game sample size as something that they can actually draw like conclusions from. I mean, dude, three quarters of the time those guys are like playing against like shit teams that like I think me and you could beat, right? They're playing like Tanzania and like. You know, Uganda and like you know Iceland or something like 
you know, countries that probably don't even know what basketball is. And they're like, oh, shit, we, we got a chance at, uh, at the Olympics. Let's, and we're uh... going to play Team USA. Yeah, <laughs> and then, like, the other thing, too, is uh, not even just that, but Melo was playing, what, 20 minutes a night? Yeah. And then he was also, what was that, like, in the in in the Olympics, maybe, what, 10, 12 games? Yeah. Tops? Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how, you can't even draw any conclusions from that. Yeah. Like, it's just it's so crazy to me. Like I just I'm not a big buyer into that as well because it's just the sample size is just way too small, yeah. and the mentality going into it is completely different than being on a, a team for 82 games plus the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So right before we move on from OKC, two questions. First, over under on number of games before uh, before Russ and uh, Melo start beefing. <laughs> Dude, it, you can. That's a hard one because Melo's such a wild card with that, <laughs> and Russ also. Like they they can both just be like prima donnas. So I I I want I kind of want to see this work. So I'll give them forty games. Forty games? I, I I say ten games. I want to I want to see this work. So I'm gonna give them <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna give them till maybe the you know beginning of next year January, before January. Like they go so they go on like a five-game losing streak. Yeah. And that's when shit hits the fan. <laughs> you know? No, I, I say within 10 games, there, there's going to be issues. Oh yeah. my it, it's going to happen fast. I, Mello is Mello's not my guy. Let's put it that All way. Right, call up Swen. Tell him to make the bet. <laughs> Look up the bet. Yeah. Uh, second question. What? Uh, how do they rank in the Western Conference? I, I probably have them either third or fourth. Behind who? Behind us and behind Rockets, yeah. Behind Rockets and, us. and Spurs, yeah. So Spurs, I, I feel like it's going to be close because um, really it's just those four teams. But I think Rockets are better; they have more depth, um, and I think they're going to be much better compared to uh, uh, OKC. And so I have them solidly second, and then three and four will just be Spurs or OKC. So it doesn't really matter what; it's just like you know who's going to play. Uh, Who's going to play who in the second round? So that's the only thing that matters there. You know, <laughs> like regular season, it's like whatever. But come playoff time, it's like now GSW could would potentially play OKC or San Antonio in the second round. So yeah, which 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 is scary, right? I, I think it's. Uh... But that's the West. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, because the Rockets is facing off against one of those teams in the other. Right. Semi-final. It's just going to be a bloodbath. Like, there's just no way around it. This is the West. There's two contender teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, four contender teams in the West. So it's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk Houston. Uh, key additions: CP3, Luke Mamute, Ma- uh, PJ Tucker. Key losses: Pat Beverly and Lou Williams. Um, key key state. Uh, Key players that remain a rocket, Ryan Anderson, and his $18 million per year. Probably the worst contract in the NBA. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's the worst, <laughs> yeah. but it's bad. Yeah. Bad at, I mean, would you say that's worse than Victor Oladipo's, like $19 million? At least Victor Oladipo's. Or like Alan Krabby's. There's some bad ones, dude. Like Ryan Anderson, like, he's a one dimensional player, but like, yeah. like there's some. Like, there's some really bad yeah. contracts. Hey, the one redeeming thing like, is uh, that Ryan Anderson went to a good school. So that's uh, one thing he has going for him. Go, go Bears. Go Bears, exactly. Um, so let's talk the Rockets. I mean, obviously CP3 is the big one, right? So you have a starting backcourt of CP3 and James Harden. Obviously, uh, somebody's role is going to change. My money is uh, on James Harden. James Harden's not going to be the point guard anymore. Which which could change things. I mean, really, you know, D'Antoni coming in and making James Harden the point guard is really what elevated you know, Harden's stats, right? Making him that more effective player on the offensive end. With uh, with CP3, you know, Harden's going to have to go back to playing off the ball, unless you know there's some way that CP3 can be effective off the ball. Uh, we've never seen it, um, but he is he is a good spot up shooter. I mean, he can, he can stroke the three. Um, yeah, that's the main thing. It's that, uh, again, the flexibility, it really helps, um, you know, D'Antoni develop uh, a system because he has two primary ball handlers. 
so he can again stagger the system. You know, have two guys, uh, one of the guys on the court at at a time, um, or if both of them are on the time, you can switch off any one of those guys. Like if you can get Chris Paul open, he can knock down open shots, and Harden did that in OKC. Like he has a history of being able to do that. So right. this isn't like some. Uh, he, I feel like Harden did all that last year because he was asked to be the primary ball handler, and they didn't really have any other options. Like Pat Beverly's, I mean, he's okay, he's passable, but uh, Harden was the main guy. Like he, guys like Ariza's and stuff, they not not playmakers. Like Eric Gordon, not really, mm-hmm. you know. So you have to rely on Harden for all the playmaking, and to be able to split that up between two guys, like that's going to be huge. And I think that's where their depth and like their roster flexibility comes into play. And that's why I think they're probably going to be the second seed, uh, in my opinion. So, yeah, they, they definitely became better defenders. I mean, they're not just relying on Pat Beverly and, uh, and Trevor Reese anymore, right? They, uh, they, you know, they, they got Tucker, uh, Mambute, um, CP three, all very, very good defenders that will play, uh, crunch time minutes and even Eric Gordon off the bench they still have Gordon off the bench they still have Capella yeah um you know so they they still have Nene Hilario yeah your boy yeah I like Nene uh, and uh don't forget the next uh Yao Ming oh yeah Zhou uh, Qi yeah 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 what's the same Zhou Qi is that what it is I don't know <laughs> whatever but yeah. he's like seven foot whatever and can you know, hit the three or something like that. We'll see how long that guy lasts uh, on on a on a court against the Warriors. <laughs> yeah, it's probably not going to be good. But um, yeah, I think they they probably have uh, out of all the contenders in the West, I think they have the most. Uh, you know, obviously next to us, the most versatile and complete roster mm-hmm. because they can go probably eight deep right now, mm-hmm. solid. Like maybe even nine. You know, because you get your starting guys, and you have Eric Gordon, you have um, PJ Tucker. Yep. So there's already seven that's like solid. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Nene. you know you have yeah Nene. So there's eight like and Bob Mute if you need more you know wing defense like I mean they can go eight nine deep and yep. those are legit guys. Yeah. Like they have seven to eight legit guys. So I I think the one kind of big loss is. Is Lou Williams? I thought Lou Williams was great for them. Actually, when Houston made that trade for Lou Williams, and I, I forget who they gave up for him, like maybe like a pick or some expiring contract or something. Um, I was actually scared. I, I thought Lou Lou Williams was one of those like bench guys that would uh, that that would that could you know light us up in that in that second quarter, fourth quarter stretch where you had you know. When the Warriors run out, like Iggy, Clay, uh, Ian Clark, David West, and Sean Livingston, right? Whenever we run that lineup out, I feel like any run and gun team always you know, scored like ten points on us in like two minutes. And and in the case of the Rockets, like Lou Williams could be that guy. Like he could do it all by himself. Um, but Lou is just—I mean, he's just one of those guys that is just like he. If he's not putting the ball in the basket, he doesn't do anything for you. So it's just he's a lot of empty stats. He's a lot of like just stuff like that. I just don't feel like guys like him uh, help you win championships. So help you win some regular season games, but playoff series, like I'd much rather have guys like PJ Tucker, uh, you know, on my team instead of guys like Lou Williams. I just feel like PJ has specific roles that are overall more beneficial. To the team, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. versatile defender can shoot the three. Good rebound, you know. Too. It's just yeah, get good good rebounder, and he'll just muscle with anybody. He's like a dog, yeah. you know. So it's like I just feel like Lou is just like if he's not scoring, he doesn't really do anything for you, like yeah. And that's why I think this Rockets team, you know, making that trade, they still got better, even though they gave up a ton of pieces and you know gave up depth, depth but. Um, they still got better. I mean, just Chris Paul and, you know, signing P.J. Tucker and, you know, re-signing the rest of the guys, bringing the rest of the guys back. Like, it's it's going to be interesting. But I definitely think they are my second seed in the West. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up with uh, kind of a, a dark horse uh, 
Western Conference team. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they, they've had some good uh, additions over the summer. Um, they, they got Jimmy Butler, Jeff Teague, Jamal Crawford, Taj Gibson, teaming them up with Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Georgie Dang. Uh, I think the only main big loss from last season is just uh, Zach Levine, who you know has a torn ACL and you know who, who knows what kind of player he's going to come back to be. But that's that's a good team talent wise, and they have a great coach in Tom Thibodeau. Uh, this is a team that could make the Western Conference as an eighth seed and could give us fits in that first round. I actually think they might be a little better than that. But again, that's going to be highly dependent on the progress of the young guys. Because you, you get a guy like Jimmy Butler to come in and uh, Jeff Teague. I mean, these guys are, you know, they've shown that they can win playoff games and playoff series. So I'm not super high on Teague, but I mean, he's a good player. You know, he's a solid player. So uh, you bring guys in with some playoff experience. So hopefully that will kind of help these guys along. Because um, I feel like they still underachieved the last couple of years, but it's just because the players are still so young. So if any of them make a leap, then I think they have a legitimate chance to get like higher than the eight seed. Mm-hmm. Like if Wiggins starts becoming like a two-way player, yeah, you know, His defense like, get better. Yeah, and it's like you could potentially, you know, or or you know, Anthony Towns starts you know playing a little defense around the rim, like. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's like if they're able to make that next leap, uh, either one of those players, like that will help them get into like the, the seven, the six, seven range for uh, the seeding. Yeah, not not a team that we'd want to play first round. I, I think first round we'd rather be matched up against, uh, you know, the the Clippers or, you know, maybe even the, yeah, the, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, just like annihilates us. Like he just like eats us for lunch. Yeah, he's good. Well, on that note, um, Saturday is the preseason opener where the Warriors play the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then I believe they're off to China for uh, for a couple of games where they play China, China, play the play the. I think they played the Denver Nuggets. I I don't remember, but it's preseason. Doesn't really matter. We know what our players can do, so and <laughs> we don't really have any new players other than uh, Swaggy P and Omri Caspi that we'd. We'd They're not going to get many minutes. It's just going to be Jordan Bell and <laughs> Damian Jones and those guys. Yeah. Pat McCaw getting minutes. Yeah, and like, scrubs. Yeah, so. yeah the, the 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 main rotation guys will play half the game, and the rest of the new guys will yeah. play the uh, the other half. So, yeah. well, all, all we can hope for is that nobody gets hurt or nobody gets some insane food poisoning or or David Lee staff in, infection or whatever he got a couple of <laughs> years. That thing is so gross. <laughs> Fucking tooth in his elbow. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, like, took over his whole arm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the, the dude couldn't play for, like, two months because of, a, <laughs> yeah, like, Chandler like uh, Wilson Chandler's, like, disgusting-ass tooth that got lodged in his arm. It's, uh, crazy how these things work out. Um, well, James, uh, great talking to you. Uh, looking forward to seeing you, uh, seeing you in Vegas, and that'll probably be the next time we do uh, a Warrior Wang Bang uh, Wednesday episode. That may or may not be placed <laughs> during the We'll see, we'll see. All right, man, you take care. It's a great way to let it go.